Amen, amen, amen. And now with great anticipation and excitement, would you please welcome Mr. Miko McCann. Check. How's that? Oh, that was in the mic. That was in the mic, too. Sorry, I need to work out. That was hard. Sorry. Is that a little, that seems a little loud to me. Is that, is that good for everybody? Tell me, guys, how disgusting does this sound? Let's see, this is a test of how loud it is. Huh? <laughs> All right. Um, well, no guarantees. Okay, uh, Father, let's start. Let's start in a good place. Father, Father, I just pray right now uh, that you're with us, that we feel you more and more as we enter into this next section of the service. And I just pray, Father, that the words I speak, that the ones that are mine, they just fall on the floor, uh, unnoticed, unseen. But the ones that are yours that they'd go straight into our, our souls, into our spirits, into our hearts, Father, um, into into our minds so that we can ponder them and, and that they are uh, powerful and effective for moving us forward in your will for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Good morning, guys and gals. <laughs> uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak on... I, um, Last time I spoke, I gave uh, the word for the year, and it was in three parts, and, and uh, the, the second part was radical community. I talked about having a radical community, and I, I think I even, in that message, said, you know, I think you'll hear more about this. And uh, so when, when I was asked to speak, or actually, not even, I wasn't even asked to speak, I, the Lord said, hey, I want you to start looking at and studying and praying around radical community, and then I was asked to speak that, that Sunday. Uh, asked to get on the schedule, and I was like, oh yeah, I have the message. I know exactly what I want to speak on. So I'm going to speak on prayer, and some of you guys caught that. That was called a swerve. I'm going to speak on radical community today. I want to go further into that, because I feel like, again, I just want to reiterate, radical community, I think, is something that is an open door for us in this year. It's, it's, a, it's a choice we can make as a community to start moving into being more and more of a, a pretty radical community. And uh, the verse that I was using um, was in Acts, and there's actually two sections at the beginning of Acts where it talks about the community of believers in those first days and how they interacted. Um, and so let's, let's go, if, if you will, to Acts 2, 42 through 47. Um, and my version is, as always, God's version, which is the NAS, NASB. If your version is not that version, that's all right. It's still good. Um, but that would be some of the differences here. So starting in verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many signs and wonders were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And it, it, then it goes again uh, a couple chapters later in chapter 4, verse 32. It, it again states, And the congregation of those who believe were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles are giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was on them all. For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales, and they lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any had need. And I shared in the word that I felt from the Lord is there wasn't a need among them. And I feel like there's an open door this year to start beginning to walk into this radical community where we can say there isn't a need among us because we have met it with each other. 
And I, and I, I, do, I, I was joking with somebody about this message. I said, maybe I should add a trigger warning at the beginning of the message. Trigger warning, I will be talking about money today. <laughs> so if that is a problem for you, take a deep breath. It'll be all right. I will talk about money. The message is not about money. Money is not the main thing. It is a thing. It's not the main thing. We sometimes, when we start talking about um, giving and sharing and being generous, we do talk about money because it's the easiest thing to talk about. It's the most understood, especially in our culture. Money is pretty important. Money represents a whole bunch of things. It represents power. It represents ability. It represents grace. It represents freedom. It represents a whole bunch of things. So we like to use it as an example from a preaching standpoint. Um, it's, we also like to use it because it triggers people because we are weird about money. Amen? <laughs> Amen. No one said amen to that. There's a little bit of, uh-huh, uh-huh. This is what I'm talking about. Calm down. Uh, <laughs> but so I just want to say it's not ab- all about money, but I will be using money as examples in this message. But what I actually shared was um, that I felt like part of that was that we had treasure. So the, the, in, this, in these two verses, it talks about people that, that had land and houses would sell that and they'd take the proceeds and they'd have it common among everybody. It would be distributed by the apostles and the deacons. And, and I, I do believe there is an element of that that I think is, is, is a part of radical community in, in today's age. But I also feel like there's treasure in our hearts, that God has put gifts and abilities and, and um, skills and knowledge in each and every one of us. And that when there is a need, we shouldn't always reach for the checkbook, but sometimes we should reach for what do I have in me? What do I have in my, um, the treasury of my heart that I can pay to this person to help them in their need? And, and, uh, and so the, the word that I had was that, that it isn't just about the physical money, but there's also the, the treasure in us. And uh, so I was, I was praying and, and I was asking God, like, what does that look like then? How do we move and operate in that? And, and there are some things that I want to pull out of the scripture first and I want to talk about because I think it's actually really cool and really exciting. The ways that we start entering into this radical community. And, and I just want to, I, I just highlighted some things in, in, in Acts 2. Um, and those that believed that were together had uh, all things in common. Say all things. All things. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't set aside something and say, this is mine. They didn't set aside something and say, this is mine. So one of the mindsets that we should actually be having is that everything that I have is actually common to my family. It is common to my community. It is shared. The word, um, the word fellowship in, in, in this, this section, when it says that they, uh, that they uh, would devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, that's... Uh, uh, Koinonia, right? And that that means um, sharing, and it also means contribution. So there's actually times in the Bible where Paul thanks specific people for giving a donation, and some of your translations say donation, some of them say contribution. That word is actually koinonia. It's the same word for fellowship. So there's this there's this aspect of this word that isn't just sharing things, but it's also contributing. It's not just being. It's not just being present, which is wonderful. Sometimes we, we, we reduce fellowship to being present. I'm present, so I'm fellowshipping with you guys. You know, I came to church, hallelujah, amen, and that's great because, for instance, I'm pretty sure my sister this morning went to Bedside Baptist, you know, so it's good to actually get up and get out and, and come to church, and I'm grateful for that. No one laughed at Bedside Baptist. I didn't get a laugh at all. Huh. Bedside Baptist? She didn't go to a real church. She stayed. She, she stayed home. She went to Bedside Baptist. She uh, went, what, what? Oh gosh! Now I want to. What? Church of Christ and God. Church of Couch and God. You know, stuff like. No, you guys never heard this. Come on. Oh, Bedside Baptist. It means you didn't go to church. We learned something new. Uh, <laughs> but sometimes there's actually this aspect of of fellowship that is contribution that you don't just come and attend but you come and contribute 
And so when it says that they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching into fellowship, that they were together, that they were sharing, and it talks about they were breaking bread, they were sharing meals, they were going from house to house, that there is this active contribution, not just being present, which I, it's wonderful if you're present. That's always the first step. Show up is always the first step. So that's wonderful. Uh, all things in common. Uh, day by day with one mind. That word also means with one accord, with one passion. That they would gather and be in one passion, in one accord, in one mind. Fellowshipping, breaking bread, going to the temple. It says that they, they would devote themselves to prayer. So this radical community is coming together. They're, they're coming together with, with, with passion, with one mind over the apostles' teaching, which was the teachings of Christ, which was teaching his resurrection. So they were coming together and they were devoting themselves to the teaching, to the ways of the kingdom, to learning more and more, to, to, to the truth. They were coming and learning they were devoting themselves to fellowship, to sharing, to being in each other's lives, to breaking bread, and to prayer. And what were the signs, by the way? What were the byproducts of just that? Just doing that, what was happening? They were living in a sense of awe, and people were coming to, to know Christ. More and more were being added day by day. And they would come into this culture, and they'd be like, what, what's going on? And, and it was amazing, because they'd come in and say, wow, look at this Look at this, this, this koinonia. Look at this fellowship. Look at this, look at this sharing. Look at this contribution. And they would start going, what do I have to contribute? And I love that they were filled with a great sense of, a sense of awe. Because there were signs and wonders. The apostles were moving. And there were signs and wonders. So this radical community that I'm proposing that, excuse me, this radical community that I'm proposing that God is asking us to enter into is one where we come, all of us come and contribute. That we have nothing set aside for ourselves, but everything is common to the group. Everything is common in this family. Every, and that does mean, that means our checkbook, but it also means our internal checkbook, the checkbook of our heart, the treasures that he has stored up. It's there for everyone so that there isn't a need among us. That a sign of that is that we're devoting ourselves to teaching. We're devoting ourselves to, to what, what the Bible teaches us, to, to what the Lord is showing us. We're devoting ourselves to the truth, that we're understanding the kingdom, that we're growing in, in how he functions, that when we say heaven on earth, we actually have an understanding of what heaven is. So when we say heaven on earth, it isn't just that I'm feeling good. Heaven on earth is actually a set of principles that are present in heaven that we are supposed to be bringing down to earth. And that we're actually walking in that. As we walk in that, signs and wonders will begin to come and happen. And what I love, you know what comes with signs and wonders that I think is amazing? Testimonies come with signs and wonders. And testimonies, I think, are, are, are awesome. And that's one, one, way, one, reason I, one reason that we can stay in awe of what God is doing is we're continually telling and reminding and regurgitating. Oh my gosh, look what God is doing. Remember how he did this and now he's doing that. And, and isn't that amazing? That we can actually start coming and, and testimony when we do that, when we fill the house with testimony, we fill the house with, 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 um, with faith. That we actually start coming in and this, this culture becomes permeated with this faith and people come in and, and, and when, when there's a need, it's no longer a, a question of can we do this, it's a question of how we do it. And a byproduct of that was growth. Because when you start creating something like that, it's easy for people to come in and get saved because they feel the presence of the Lord. They see the presence of God. Because when you come and you actually meet a need and you meet it in a supernatural way, with supernatural grace, with supernatural generosity, it's, it's an easy step to go, why did you do that? I did that because I love you. Why do you love me? I love you because I was loved first. I love you because I have a love that's so strong and amazing. And that love, we call him Jesus. He wants you. And it's, it's, it's a byproduct, natural byproduct of this radical community. I don't want a radical community so we all feel great and wonderful. That's a nice thing that happens. I think it's wonderful when you can wake up and be excited that you're part of a family that loves you. 
that's wonderful. But that's not why I feel like God is calling us to do that. I feel like when we actually have this amazing, wonderful family, it's intoxicating to the fatherless. It's intoxicating to those who don't have fathers. Orphans will be drawn to a loving family. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread. It's not just hanging out. It's sharing. It's sitting down. It's, it's a time of, of getting to know each other. It's a time of, of um, sharing of one another's food. Of, of the, I love the house to house. So now it's my turn to host. So now I get to, 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 to provide and I get to share. And, and then next time it might not be my time and I just get to receive. That we're sharing of one another. We're sharing... And, we're, we're, it's, and it's a time of joy, and it's a time of contentment, it's a time of comfort, it's a time of satisfaction. How many of you guys, when you hang out with friends, and you don't want the night to end? And when it does end, me and my wife, we, we have people over, two things happen. We have people over, and we have this amazing, wonderful time, and they leave, and we just look at each other and go, ah, that was fun. I'm satisfied. That was good for the soul. Let's go to sleep. And sometimes we have people over and we have a good time and they leave and this is not a bad thing, but we go, I'm tired. I want to eat something and go to bed. I'm saying that a radical community is the good side. I feel full. I feel satisfied. I want to do that again. Though maybe next time I, I want somebody else to host. You know, sometimes it can get exhausting always hosting. <laughs> that they lived, uh, they devoted themselves to the prayer. That they, I, I was talking to Alyssa yesterday, and I was just sharing this realization I was having again about the importance of prayer and the statement birthed in prayer. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. I need to figure this out. I need to, like, start praying. And how do I birth something in prayer? How do I have that dedication? That's why I was so excited about we did a month of prayer, and I feel like we need to do more things like that as a church where we're corporately coming together and saying we're all going to be pushing for it in one mind, with one passion, in one accord. We're going to push for this thing that we believe. We're going to be praying so that we all know that we're all pulling in the same direction in prayer. That I was like, that's so important. And, and I look at the early church and what the early church did. They prayed. They devoted themselves to prayer, it says. Hmm? No, 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 no fasting. <laughs> End fasting. Let's, for some. Others, Maybe. And what was the result? They had favor with all people, it says. Who wants favor with all people? Yeah. Because that happens. <laughs> so that's what I feel like God is inviting us into this year. He's saying it's an open door. Do we want to do that? Do we want to pull together? Do we want to get to know each other? Do we want to start meeting needs. I said, that's amazing. It can't be that easy, though. It can't just be as easy as me going, guys, we're a community, and we're going to be radical. It has to be a little bit more involved than that. <laughs> and I feel like he gave me some mindsets, some paradigms that we have to start pushing our way into, that we have to start praying in, that we have to start devoting ourselves to transforming our lives by the renewing of our mind, that we need to get some principles and we need to start owning some principles so that we can start seeing it manifested in our community. And this isn't in any particular order, except for, I guess, the order he gave me. The first mindset is it's not yours. It's not yours. They said that they, ha they had all things in common. All things, it's not yours. The first thing. And that's hard because I, I earn a paycheck and I go, look what I got. This is mine. Ask my wife. I'm territorial. Whose iPad is this? It's mine. Do, do the kids play with my iPad? Who, whose iPad do the kids play with? 
That's right. So the first thing to break is this, it's mine. It's this idea that you own something. You know, we're actually called to be stewards, and, and I love that idea that we're called to be stewards of this world, and we're called to be stewards of things, and understanding that every good and perfect thing comes from who? The Father. And that when He entrusts us with something, it's amazing, it's, it's, it's awesome, and we need to be faithful with that, but He's not giving us ownership over it. He owns it. He's asking us to steward it. Will you care for this? Will you steward this for me? And we need to start understanding that money in your, ch- in your, in your wallet, that money in your account, that's not your money. That's God's money. And he gave it to you. He didn't give it to me. I earned it. Okay. Say that to God. Say that to God. And let him work that out with you. And good luck. I love the idea of the parable of the talents. There's also the parable of the uh, the uh, minas, 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 minas. But it's this idea. What I what I love about it is um, the idea of it was something that the master gave the servant. He said, "Here's some talents. Here's some some minas. Now go do something with it." And that the ones that were faithful understood. And I love it. My master is a hard master. He expects a return. So I need to go and do something with this. And in the, and the, and those, those examples, the, the servant that, that kind of failed in, in his job was the one who was actually fearful and did nothing and buried it or just did, didn't do anything with it. And, and I just, I love that idea that, that the money that we have, the, the resources that we have, the giftings and callings we have are amazing. And the, the cool, you know what the cool thing about money is? Spending it on things you want. That's the cool thing about money. Most of us are raised because we want, we're, like we're, we are raised to think about money in the sense of like, earn money so you can get the stuff that you want. And it's the truth. Now, adulthood, we start realizing the maturity with that is I also have to spend stuff on I don't want, stuff that I need, and you know, have to balance that. But how many of you guys know when you're living in um, plenty, when you're living in abundance, there's money for the stuff you need, and there's money for the stuff you want. You know the cool thing about gifts and abilities and talents that he gives us? He gives it to us for other people. But as you start doing that, you get benefit. It's this amazing thing where God says, I understand win-win situation. God says, with me, it's a win-win. If you're in my will, other people win, and you win. In the parable of the talents and the parable of the, of the minas, the, the, the servants that went and, and did something and were faithful with what the master said, they were rewarded. You know what I love? When they said, I'm going to build my master's wealth, they were rewarded. They were given something. There's that principle. But the first idea was it's not mine. When we start going, it's mine, and we get in all sorts of weird, twisted mentalities, we start getting the poverty spirit, we start hoarding, we start, you know, looking at people and, and, and we start going, I'm not going to give of myself because this is mine and I need it. And we actually start getting, it's funny, we start disconnecting ourselves from the source. When we start going, it's mine, we disconnect ourselves from the source of all our, of all our things. And you know what happens when we disconnect ourselves from the source? We start to dry out. So if God is this river of resource, of love, of supply, He's our supply, and but we start going, it's mine. We cut ourselves off from the supply. We start drying up. What is then we what what do we do in, when we do that? What, what happens instinctually when we start feeling that happen? It's mine. I need it. It's mine even more now. Now I need it even more. This very action that is cutting off our source is causing us to get even further and further and further twisted up. And suddenly we're old, weird, and miserly. <laughs> even when we're young. Even when we're young, but suddenly we're just twisted up in ourselves. We're dry, we need everything, we're greedy, and it's mine. We become takers, and we don't become givers. And it's that very action that actually cut us off. So the first mindset we need to understand is it's not, it's not yours. It doesn't mean that God is saying, give it all away. 
we listen to God, if we hear God, he knows. He takes care of us. God, that's my last dollar. I think I can handle it. If, I, if God tells you to give away your last dollar, you give away your last dollar because God will take care of it. He's a win-win God. He doesn't go, you go without so that this person who's more worthy of it will get it. He goes, if I'm telling you to take care of it, trust me, you won't go without. I will provide. That's how we break that mentality. God provides. He's a good father who gives good gifts. He loves us. So if I understand that God is my supply, if I'm supposed to give, I won't ever think that's the last of what I have because he's always supplying me. Because you know what the Bible says, that he's the well that runs out. Remember when you read that? That won't. That's right. Sorry, I missed it. He won't run out. Rivers of living water. Not a well. <laughs> I don't have to ra- ration when God is asking me. He knows everything. He knows. He will supply. So we break that off by going, it's yours, Father. I surrender it. I surrender all of it. I surrender my checkbook. I surrender my time. I surrender my resources. I surrender it to you. You show me how to, how to spend it. You show me how to take care of it. I'm not saying abdicate responsibilities. I'm not saying don't make that house payment. I'm not saying that. But be aware of those areas in your life where you go, that's mine. I'll be real honest with you guys, real honest. That's my time. That's my time. Could you go do this? I could, but that's my time, and I need it. Those Netflix shows are not going to watch themselves. (laughs) It's very important. Somebody has to watch them, guys. This is a good one. It's not always money. (laughs) That's a good mindset for radical community. It's not always money. We have two responses when there's a need in general. We have two responses, both as people who are asking and people who are being asked to give. We have two responses. Um, Okay, here's some money. Or I'm not giving you my money. And I just want to encourage you guys. God is amazing. He's this creative God. He has these creative ways of doing stuff, so it's not always money. Sometimes money is our first reaction when there's a need. I'm going to use Joel as a wonderful example. Joel is going through this medical thing, and he's going through it, which is great, and there's an end. There is an end date, and he'll be walking, and it'll be awesome. But right now, he needs a little assistance. Glenna asked some men in our church, do you know anything or do you know anybody that could help build a ramp up our stairs? And the response was, oh, yeah, I'll get some guys and I'll do it. And I said, did you pay them? And she said, I tried. And I said, that's awesome. That's awesome. And you know, what the, you know what's amazing? Sometimes our first instinct is, well, I'll pay for it to get done. Like, sure, you know, I'll help you. I'll pay for it to get done. And, but the actual response was, no, no, I'll get some guys. We'll come. We'll buy the supplies. We'll build you a ramp. Because it's not always about money. Sometimes it is about money. Sometimes money is the answer, but it's not always the answer. So that gets rid of that first instinct. Because sometimes uh, Alyssa told me, and I, I actually gave her a little bit of crap for it, because I was like, what are you talking about? Because she goes, money's a separator. Is that what you said? I'm quoting you correctly. And I was like, what are you talking about? Because I had said something, and she responds, is money's a separator. But the more I thought about it, I'm right. Oh, I'm right. <laughs> That is because I understand that two become one. And uh, <laughs> so when my, wife, when my wife is right, I'm right as well. Uh, I realized she is right. 
And in this instance, it's a separator too because sometimes we don't want to deal with the situation or the person, the need. We don't want to deal with it, so we go, well, I'll throw money at it. And then I, I won't feel responsible for it, for it. So I'll just throw money at it. And sometimes, it's funny, sometimes people throw money at needs and they didn't bother to ask God, am I supposed to throw money at the need? Was I supposed to throw money at it or was I supposed to actually help that person deal with it? So it's not always about money. But sometimes it is. And when it is, we run into that, well, I don't want to give you my money. <laughs> and I think we dealt with that in the first one, where it's not yours. <laughs> so we ask God. But let me give you some, let me give you some, let me, let me, let me, um, let me talk about failure. <laughs> let me talk about a failure of mine. And it's a recent failure. So last year, I was laid off of my, of my job. And so we went into a little bit of a financial, some financial constraints in our family. And we were, we were doing okay. We were doing okay. And right at the tail end of my unemployment, we weren't doing quite okay. And there was a shortfall. I couldn't make a mortgage payment. But God came through, got a job, wonderful blessing. Thank you, right? Thank you, Father. Thank you, people that employed me. Um, so I can make future house payments, hallelujah. But there's this one house payment I couldn't make. So what do I do? Well, I buckle down. I go, okay, we need to save money. We need to figure it out. And I would save up enough money, and then I'd go to call them and say, hey, I need to make this house payment. And they'd say, oh, great. You can't make a partial payment. You have to do the whole thing. And because we're in the next month, we need this month too. So now the amount I need to save up just went up again. Okay, so I need to save money as paying all these other things. Thank you, food. Thank you, gas. Thank you, insurance. You know, <laughs> thank you, health insurance. Uh, and so then, okay, now I have the money. Oh, now it's the next month. So you need this other lump, lump sum. Okay, so I found myself in this hole. I couldn't make enough. And by the time I had enough, another month's payment, and it was mounting. What do I do? I go to my community and I say, guys, I have a need. No, I don't. <laughs> There's the failure. We have dinner with really good friends and we're just sharing. I don't say there's a need. And my really good friend, his name is Larry, goes, hey, just out of the blue, the first month I'd missed the payment, first month out of the blue goes, we'd love to help you with your house payment. I didn't say anything about we couldn't make our our house payment. I said, no, we were right at the edge, but I just got a job. I'm about to be employed. Everything's going great. And he just, Holy Spirit, said, well, you know, we'd love to help you with your house payment. Oh, no, 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 we're fine. Failure number two. Because I'm like, no, we can take care of it. We, we, we can take care of it. We can deal with this. So months go by, months go by. I mean, I'm talking to the bank, and I'm explaining it, and they're like, uh-huh, well, you know, we're going to have to start, you know, these, you know, you're getting close, you're getting to the edge, finally, you know, another thing happens that was another stupid, frustrating thing, not my fault, amen, hallelujah, I'm glad when it's stupid and frustrating, I'm not my fault, but suddenly, hey, here's this money that needs to, you know, needs to get dealt, and it just kind of, I hit this wall <laughs> with God, and I said, I, what am I you know, I'm a little bit more um, uncensored in my in the privacy of my mind and house, and so it was a little bit more um, blue than this. But what am I supposed to do? I use some curse words. <laughs> I can't just just let it all out. I, I use some, I use some curse words, and I said, "What am I bleeping supposed to do?" God, and he said, <laughs> he said, call your dad, <laughs> I called my father-in-law, and he said, call Larry, you know, you need, you need to ask Larry, Larry, Larry offered, four months ago, so I called dad, and dad's like, oh, dad, oh, that sucks, wow, that's annoying that that happened, let's deal with this, about something else, and then I called Larry, and I said, Larry, or I, I texted him, because I was a coward, and I didn't want to call, <laughs> it's the truth. I was a coward. I didn't want to call. And so I, uh, 
So I text Larry, and I said, this is such a hard text, but I need help. And you offered, and I need help. And he texted me back within five minutes, said, of course, love to help, let's meet. And I said, okay. So we met, and I love meeting with Larry anyway. I love hanging out with him. And so we meet, and we're talking, and he's asking, like, so what's the deal, and how much, and, you know, all that. And he's like, okay, well, yeah, of course, I'll write you a check. Um, and he said, but I was praying, and I have some encouragement for you. I would like to pray. I'd like to hand you the check and pray for you and your wife. And also I have a, I have a, a challenge because he goes, so I'm, tell, cause I'm telling him about it. And here's the thing. Here's what I mean where it's not just money, but sometimes when it is money, it's great, but it's not just money. So he could have written me the check. He could have said, oh, yeah, of course. I said I'd help. I can help. Here's the check. God bless you. But he goes, I was praying about it, and I really want to encourage you to ask God about X, Y, and Z in your life because that's what I heard the Lord tell me, and which was really good. I'm not revealing it yet, but it was really good. Me and my wife prayed about that uh, that day. And he goes, and I want to come and I want to pray when we hand you the check. Me and my wife want to pray for you guys. And I have a question. Have you asked your community? <laughs> and I said, no. Now, at this point, I had given a word about radical community to my community. Have you talked to your community about it? I said, no. He goes, well, I, I really would challenge you and encourage you to, to talk to your community. Is there an opportunity for you to talk to your community? Well, at that point, I had already been asked to speak, and God had already told me, speak on radical community. That's today. And I said, yes, there's an opportunity to tell my community. <laughs> he goes, great. And he is wonderful. He goes, I'm not making it contingent. This check is not contingent on this, but I'm encouraging it. So what did he do? Instead of going, oh, I have the money. I can just give Miko the money and bless him. He said, I want to pray about it. He received something from God for me and my wife as an encouragement. And then he, not only that, but he goes, and then me and my wife want to pray for you when we give you the money because we want to break off this poverty spirit you had where you couldn't tell people what was going on. And, by the way, I want to encourage you to tell your community. And he goes, I think you'd be surprised. And I go, I wouldn't be surprised. My community is amazing. I love my community. I wouldn't be surprised. But tell your community. And they're okay. A couple of days later, I talked to Lori, and I tell Lori, and you know what Lori asked me? Why didn't you tell us? <laughs> Why haven't you said anything? Well, we'll talk about why I didn't say anything later, but there's a failure. But that's my example to you about sometimes even when it is money, it's not just money. And I thought that was amazing that it, the idea was, let me ask God how I give this money. Let me ask God if there's anything else I can do besides just give this money. I think that's awesome. I think it's amazing. You know, the church has and does, if you didn't know this, benevolence. And if there is a need, you can come and ask and see if the church can help you out. We do that. We like to do that. It's a good thing we do that. But I want to encourage us to be creative when we're, when we're thinking about these needs because this example has always popped in my head. This is not a real example. This is all in Nico's head, okay? A woman comes to church, part of our community, and comes and says, hey, at the end of the month, I don't have food for my family. I just need $100. We say, of course. We write a check from the benevolence fund. Here's $100. The next month, she comes. Hey, at the end of the month, I don't have food for my family. Can you help me? Of course. Write a check. Here's $100. We love you. God bless you. Third month. Maybe... We go, you know, love to give you the check. Here it is. But also want to encourage you. We have a bookkeeper in our church that would totally be willing to meet with you and go over your finances and start figuring out if there's anything that you could do differently so that there isn't a shortfall at the end of the month. You know what? It sounds like you need a better job. Can we pray for you? You have a better job? So can I just, can we just pray? You know Wow, did you know, and I'm, this, is, is, this is where I'd love to be. Our church 
has a service or we know somebody, we could send you some, that could help you write your resume, that could help you interview so that you have the skills so that instead of treating the symptoms with money, we actually treat the root with love and competence and our gifting. That's a creative solution. Money sometimes isn't a creative solution. Money just covers the symptoms. The creative solution is let's get down to the root of this. Sometimes it's a spiritual thing. We can pray. You know, we can cast out demons. We can pray. We can break generational curses. We can do all of that stuff. We know how to do that. Sometimes it's a skill level. And we can train and we can teach. We have plenty of, of ability in this group. That's what I'm talking about when I said there's internal treasure in all of us. Some of us can know our know money. We can do money. We can do household budgets really well. Some of us can't. Well, the ones that can't should probably hook up with the ones that can. And with openness and, and vulnerability, say, here are my finances. What can I do to change? Because we make dumb decisions. Can I, amen? We make dumb decisions. And, I, and I, I've, I've, been in, I've been there where I'm like, I don't have any money. And it's like, you're spending $120 on cable. Do you need cable? No, but I want it. Well, but if you are short $100 a month, here's 120 you don't need to be spending. But I can't see it. And maybe there's somebody in my life that needs to come in and go, hey, real talk. Here's how we manage money. Here's need versus want. Here's the hierarchy. Let's figure this out. That's a creative solution other than, oh, we'll just keep on giving you an, an extra $100 a month to make up that shortfall, right? That's, now, like I said, that's, nobody, that's not a real story. That's in my head. But wouldn't that be amazing? If people came to you with need and you go, how, how can I help? That's not just pray for you. Because sometimes we get trapped in the pray. Let me, oh, I'll pray for you. I told somebody, um, I told Larry, I'm doing something new. When people come to me with needs and I go, well, I'll pray for that. I actually pray for them. <laughs> hey, baby steps. See, we all laugh. We all know what I'm talking about. Because we've all been there. We've all, oh, I'll pray for you. Oh, I'll pray for you. Yeah, we're Christians. I know. Here's another mindset. There's time. That's a big one for me. I think that was really personal to me. Because my thing with God is my time. There's time. I know it's, it might seem like an inconvenience, not just throwing money or not just praying, to actually do something with somebody to actually walk with them through something, to actually teach them, or to actually go to the house and build something they need, or go to the house and clean, or go to the house and whatever, mow the lawn. I get it. It's time. But you know what? There's time. The Lord is showing me and my wife right now, because we're about to have a third kid, is showing me and my wife, there's time. Don't worry. There's time. And I just want to encourage you guys with just that there's time. God's amazing. And if you don't think there's time, there's miracles. And at least, what, three times he stopped time in the Bible. So we know he can do it today. So there's time. You know, I sometimes pray, especially when I was working in Beaverton, I was like, Lord, I'd really love that, um, you know, that translation thing. I'd really love to just get in the car and then 15 minutes later be home and go, that used to take an hour. He can do it. There's time. So there's time. He might have to bend the laws of reality, but he can do that. He's God. So there's time. Another mindset that is very, 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 very important. <laughs> People are worth it. People are worth it. See them as they are in God. And I love what was said today. See them as complete. See them as amazing. See them as wonderful. See them as the bride. See them as Jesus sees them. And when you see them that way, you love them, and they're worth it. They're worth the time. Because when you see them that way, you become mother and fathers in their lives. You become coaches and mentors where you actually go, I see what you are. Let me help you get there. Let me help you get there. Let me coach you. Let me mentor you. When we see that they're worth it. I know there's a need. Let me help you. Because you're worth it. And then connected to that, see yourself as having value. One of the worst things we do is we stop ourselves 
and we go, I don't know how I can help. And we kill it. I don't know how I can help. I know there's a need. I feel for him. I don't know how I can help. As much as I just knocked prayer, prayer is really good. If you really pray. Prayer is really good. Even a couple dollars can help. I don't have enough money for that need. Yeah, but can you get a couple people and can you pool your resources? We just bought my mother a really awesome uh, birthday present. My wife and I couldn't afford it by ourselves. My wife and I and my sister could. You know, I don't know about you guys. We, we do that for Christmas presents. I've been doing that for years. I used to, t- my, my wife's family is really resistant to this. I'd, I, I stopped asking because I'd go, I want this thing. That's way too much money to spend on you, Nico. Yeah, but if each of you contribute $10, you could get it for me. Are you telling me that I'm not worth $10? I got the answer and it wasn't good. But I get it. It's a mindset thing. Because sometimes we go, I can't meet that need. Yeah, but could you become an advocate for the person? And could you go, hey, pass the hat around? If money is the answer in this situation. Or pass the hat around as in, let me see who can help you. Who has the talent and skill? Who has the gifting that can really help you in your life right now? So see yourself as worthy. You have value. If it isn't a monetary value, as in you don't have, like, literally, you're making do with what you have, and there isn't enough, and you're not hearing God, is there something in your eternal account? Is there is there something God has deposited in you? Ask. Is there a skill? Is there ability? Is there a talent? Ask God, and don't just cut it off as, I don't know how to meet that need. You should be praying and going, Lord, how do I meet that need? How should I meet that need? And sometimes you'll hear, pray. Sometimes you'll hear, uh be an advocate. Sometimes you'll hear, you know how to t- fix that problem. Go and say, I'll fix that problem. You own a lawnmower in a, in a truck. Go mow their lawn. You, you know how to cook. Make a meal. I'm just throwing stuff out. Because I'm also limited, by the way. I don't know every solution. I'm hoping some of you guys are thinking about scenarios and go, yeah, I could do this or I could do this. I could help them write a resume. They need a better job. And the last one is, don't wait for a sovereign sign from God. I, um, I've talked to a couple people about some of this in some levels, on some levels, and it was really one of the common responses I heard was, um, well, you pray and you hear from God. And if God says to give them money, you give them money. Like, and I, I do believe that's true and that's wonderful. But guess what? If you have a problem with money, you will never hear God say give them money. If you have a problem with time, it's very hard for you to hear God say, give them your time. You, you hear, so sometimes we need to break through that idea of, I need to be controlled by God. And we need to start realizing that we're amazing and powerful in our own right, and he loves us making amazing decisions. We co-labor. He loves when we go, I'm going to meet that need because I can or I'm going to meet it in this way, or I'm going to help because I can, and I love that person, I value it. God is ecstatic when that happens. He loves when we make decisions. When we make good decisions, he, he, is, he celebrates us even more. I said it fills him with joy seeing you make awesome choices. It fills God with joy seeing you make awesome choices. Like, I get filled with joy when I see my kids do something. Like... <laughs> Like when I see Solomon bean his brother in the head with a car. Bad choice. Not happy. And immediately go, uh-oh, I'm sorry. Amazing choice. Wonderful. Without me saying anything. Just, you know, God is the same way. He is ecstatic when we make awesome choices. Okay. I'm going to go through these last one a little bit quickly. Things to break. There's a couple things we need to break off of our lives and off of ourselves to start entering into this. And I, and I split, it up, split it up into things that the receiver, meaning somebody that says, I have a need, needs to break. And this is some of the failure that I had. You have to break fear. You have to break fear. You have to not be afraid to go, I have a need. 
and to say, I have a need. Because I don't like people that go around going, oh, I don't know how I'm going to make the car payments this month. If you have a need, say, I can't make the car payment this month. Can someone help me? I need my car. I'm looking for work. I need my car, you know? Like, you ask. You get over yourself. You get over your fear. You get over get over the idea of being vulnerable. A radical community is open with each other. We're transparent and we're vulnerable. I have a need. It starts with, this whole thing starts with, I have a need. Not, I really hope someone picks up that I have that need. Don't wait for a sovereign act of God to tell somebody that you have a need. Lord, I really wish you'd send that person over to help me. Don't do that. That will happen as we get more open to this. I remember the first time my wife said, we had a couple, this was years ago, we had somebody, a couple that, we didn't even know what they were going through, but my wife just thought, like, I'm supposed to give our next, my next paycheck. I should say our, it was her next paycheck. I was supposed to give it, I was supposed to cash it, I was supposed to give it to this couple. And I was like, really? She goes, yeah. I go, all right. And we did. And I remember they were like, oh, thank you. It was like, you know, not like the most amazing reaction. Oh, thank you. And then they counted it, and they came back like, oh, my God, thank you. <laughs> And what we didn't realize is they had just gone through a whole bunch of like financial choices and d- decisions, and they had a shortfall. And my wife's check came through and <laughs> covered it. We had no idea. Those are amazing. Don't count on those. Say, I have a need. Break that fear. Break the shame of saying, I have a need. We live in this thing that you're supposed to be self-reliant. You're supposed to be powerful. You're supposed to do it on your own. Don't fall for that lie. We're supposed to live in community. We're supposed to be open with each other. We're supposed to each have everything in common so there's no need among us. And it's not a loss if I give you 10 bucks because you're me. We're family. Break that shame. Shame is there to isolate us, to separate us, and to keep us alone. So you need to break that. Control, which is a reaction to shame and fear. When I'm feeling shame and fear, I then want to control. You have to break control. These are all the things that you have to break to say, I have a need. These are the things you have to bust through to say, I have a need. You have to bust through your shame, you have to bust through your fear, and you have to bust through, your, bust through your idea of control. So also, when you say, I have a need, you lose the ability to control how the need is met. You don't go, I have a need. You guys have to give me money. You don't get to say that. You go, I have a need. God, how are you going to meet the need? And you have to just relax. Because the minute you try and control it, I'd love to help you with a financial situation because despite what I just shared about mine, you know, I, I know money. I'd love to help you. Well, but you can only come on this day and only do this and I'm only going to tell you about this and I'm only... That's the control. I can't, I can't do that very much if that's what's going to happen. Okay. As a giver, to give, to meet need, you need to break selfishness and greed. That's a poverty spirit that says there's not enough. There's always enough. There's more than enough. We have a God that is more than enough. So to break that, we need to understand there's more than enough. We need to break off judgments and assumptions. These are the two things I heard. Pearls before swine. The Bible says do not cast your pearls before swine. There is a discernment that we have to understand. We have to understand that we might want to help everybody. Not everybody wants help. Not everyone will receive help. We have to be okay with that. But we can't make the assumption that that's what's going to happen. And a lot of times we do. Well, I would help that person. They'd probably go spend that money on drugs. Well, I would help that person, but I know they won't accept it. Or th- just it, it'll last for two weeks, and then they'll turn around and go back to their bad habits. Those are the assumptions and judgments we make that stop us from even trying. We need to stop doing that. Because we go, that, that, that's us judging them not worthy of help. The reaping what they sowed idea. Well, I'd love to help them, but that's a consequence for what they did thank you god i'm so happy i talked to you about this i challenge you guys this was the hardest thing for me because i've been wronged by people i don't like to talk to god when i've been wronged by somebody because he almost inevitably says something like forgive them love them my mercy triumphs over judgment I don't want to hear that when I've been wronged. I don't want to hear that when I feel like somebody's getting what they deserve. But guess what? When I talk to God about that, and I go, man, isn't that great? Aren't you happy they're getting what they deserve? No, he's not. 
He'd much rather they didn't get what they deserved, just like we didn't get what we deserved. So we need to stop that, that idea of they deserve it. They're, they're, they're sowing the choices that they reap. Like, I get that, but guess what? Sometimes we can still come in and help them, and we should still come in and help them. Yeah? Okay. No, interrupt. Oh, for me? <laughs> for me? I need it. <laughs> we just we just fixed a eight hundred dollar plumbing issue. So <laughs> yeah, thank you. actually, here, here's here's the funny thing. Um, well, but actually, let me let me share something. We actually have two people in our community that have a need, and I want to present it to you because we're gonna we're gonna attempt to help meet that. So I want you guys to pray about it, and I want to present this to you. Uh, how many of you guys know the the cooks, John and Diana? Yeah, they they would come more. They live in Vader. They live quite a ways out. Um, they would come more, um, but he has come. He's taught in our school of ministry. He's done a wonderful job. He's spoken here. Um, they they are awesome people. They're children of God, and we love them. Their car broke down. Their only vehicle. It's, a, it's their vehicle for getting around. It's their vehicle for their business. She has a land, landscaping business. And it broke down. And they either need to repair it or get a new one or whatever. We are going to do an offering in two weeks. In two or three. In a couple weeks, we're going to pass the hat around for them. Because we want to bless them. Because they have contributed to our community. And they love us. They've loved us well. We want to love them well in return. And we want to help. Either contribute to a new vehicle or contribute to repair, whatever they need. We're going to pass the hat around. And I want you guys to be thinking about it and praying about it and ask God for a number and believe God for that number in gifts. And I'm going to tell you too, this is extracurricular. I'm not saying take it out of the tithe. I'll be real about that. This is extracurricular from, from our hearts. Okay? And honestly, this money could be seed money for that, as far as I care. So if, if you have anything in your in your pocket right now that God is saying give, I think that's an awesome thing. And so just come in and put it put it in the hat. Amen? All right. Um, I'm going to pray, and we'll be dismissed. And if any of you guys want any... Did I say there's two? Two people. Is that what I said? Is that what I said? Oh, I mean... Yeah. No, 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 not two needs. Oh, I mean, the McCann family just got a bunch of dollars. Still. <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, John, John and Diana. Sorry, those two people. Um, that one, one unit, two people. Well, yeah, amen. Thank you. Neither, yeah, amen. Okay, so I'm going to pray uh, to dismiss us, and if, you, if any of you guys want any prayer, if any of you want to respond in any way, the, the altar is open after service for, for any of that. So, Father, I, you know, can, can we stand? Can we all stand if you're able? Uh, and if, if anything that I said, any part of my message, uh, if, you are, if, if you feel a burning in your heart, if you feel an agreement... I just want to ask you to just extend out your hands uh, in a posture of, of receiving. So, Father, just thank you so much that you love us. Thank you so much that you are empowering us with grace. That that you said that, that in the in the early days of the church with that community, that there a grace abounded in that community. That empowerment in, abounded in that community. And I just thank you right now, and Father, I pray that you would impart the grace, Father, the grace to live out radical community. That right now, that you would be empowering us to find people worthy of our love, to find ourselves worthy of giving of ourselves. Father, I just pray right now you'd start breaking through those boundaries that hold us back from receiving when we have a need from declaring our need, Father, 
and also that hold us back from meeting need. And I just release a creativity, Father. I feel like you want to release a supernatural creativity in this house to meet needs beyond just throwing money at it and beyond just praying. That there is this amazing supernatural creativity to meet need that's in this house. And I just pray, Father, that you would start increasing our synergy, our ability to work together, our connection with each other, our relationship and fellowship together, Father, that we would break bread when we talk, that we would spend time with each other, that there'd be a sense of deep satisfaction when we're around each other. And Father, I pray that that aroma would become amazingly attractive. And that as people come, that they come into this amazing community that loves each other and we show our love and Father, I just, I just thank you, and I just pray right now that you would begin to reveal to us those things that we can do, those abilities and talents that you've given us, those, those, those ways that we can bless. And I also just pray for, I feel like, I do, I genuinely feel like there's, there are ministries that he's giving people right now. And, and, and what I mean by ministry, there's, this, there's, there's abilities that he's giving you, that he's bringing you to mind, he's bringing to mind that you can actually be doing to help people. That you could be doing to help people. And so I thank you for that, Father. And I just pray right now <laughs> that we would have an attitude of acceptance that when somebody fails, we pick them back up. We dust them off and we celebrate them and we, we, we set them right back on the path. And Father, I just also pray right now that we would begin to have this, this amazing, amazing desire for testimonies, this amazing, amazing desire to share what the Lord has done over and over, share what the Lord has done, that when we have a victory, we declare the victory in this house. This house has become a, a house of testimony, that there is always a sense of faith that needs will be met because we know it's been done because he's done it, and we continually remind ourselves of how he does it. And Father, I just thank you for this family.